Today's episode of the Crawford Talks is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. In the middle of April, it is the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. We have a bunch of things to dive into as we wait on eventually, hopefully, the start of the 2020 baseball season. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, Hanging in is kind of my go-to answer when people ask. Um, Yeah, I mean, grateful to be healthy, but uh, it's, uh, it's been a long grind so far, so... Hopefully, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel emerges soon. How, how are you hanging in? Yeah, I'm, I'm about doing the same. Uh, I feel like I, I have like a, pitiful, a pitifully small amount to report on my uh, comings and goings because the weekends at this point are just so slow where like there's almost nothing on. And so I feel like there's really nothing too much going on. But the way I view it is in the grand scheme of things, if you have nothing going on and you're just surviving through this period, it's probably a positive. So that, that's kind of my mindset right now. It's a good mindset. I think, I think that's the right mindset. You know, we could, we're doing okay. If that's, that's our biggest issue uh, is boredom. So on the weekend. So I think, I think you're, you're spot on with that one. And we do appreciate it. If MLB wants to keep, you know, throwing out all their brainstorms into the public so that we can talk yes. about them. Um, I think that would be great if they want to like set up a Zoom call with all the reporters and just tell us all of the uh, all the potential ideas they're talking about. Um, that would be awesome. So, well, let's do that. On that guys. note, yes. On that note, so we have another idea here, and this is this was first reported by Bob Nightingale of USA Today in the previous episode, which all of you guys should check out. Jake and I went into detail talking about the quote-unquote Arizona plan, like the idea that baseball is going to have a season, all 30 teams in the state of Arizona. Nightingale has a little bit of a twist on this, and here's the report. MLB, as they're assessing a bunch of uh, proposals, they're discussing a radical plan that would eliminate the AL and the NL for 2020, and they would realign all six divisions for an abbreviated season. So basically what you would have is... All 30 teams returning to their spring training sites in Florida and Arizona. They play the regular season games only in those two states and without fans in kind of an attempt to reduce travel and minimize risks. So here's what we're going to do. Our main uh, topic is going to be comparing the AL West for the Astros to what we're going to call the Grapefruit League East. But before we kind of dive into what we think of the divisions, Jake, Compared to what we were discussing Thursday and just playing baseball in Arizona, do you think a plan like this makes more sense, is more realistic, because now you're taking one place and dividing it into two different places based on teams obviously having spring training in Arizona and the state of Florida? Yeah, I do. I think it makes a lot more sense than than the other idea, um, mostly because 
you're putting every team in a controlled environment where they are already calling that place home. They know that that building. They have their people working the building. Um, they can really control who comes in, who comes out, how much they're cleaning it, that kind of stuff. Uh, and presumably these teams have all been cleaning, deep cleaning their complexes since March yep. already. So um, I think I think it makes a lot more sense to split up in, into divisions um, in in respect to spring training sites. Um, I mean, it, for that reason, it feel Jake. Doesn't it feel, Jake, like uh, there's a lot less logistical issues if you were to do it this way and put each team where they train in the spring? Uh, assuming the math works out, you might have to make, you know, a few swaps here and there. But like if you're putting, you know, the Cubs where they train in Arizona or the Astros and the Nationals in West Palm Beach, at least there's like that degree of familiarity to where some of the logistics that you know, teams that that don't go to Arizona, it, maybe every year or three, essentially. In this case, okay, at least you have a general structure set up. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, like like we said in the last episode, there. How many ideas do you think they've come up with? Like, how, this is probably one or two of <laughs> thirty. You know, like yeah, who knows? That like, sounds o- about right. Over under is probably somewhere in the in the teens. So, yeah, I think. You know, this idea obviously would have teams playing uh, the same teams over and over again rather than the Arizona idea. You could have a lot more, um, you know, interleague play. And I guess all of it's interleague play now. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like you'd be playing a lot more uh, a varied schedule. So um, but I think this one is more realistic and more feasible. Um, you know, it it's it's going to be interesting if it happens, um, you know, and obviously we're a long way from from anything happening at this point uh, as we speak on April 13th. But uh, kind of like I said in the last episode, it's good that they're they're coming up with all these different ideas. Even if none of them mm-hmm. ever happen, you know, that's what they should be doing is, is brainstorming. Yes, totally agreed. All right, so let's let's dive into these divisions. So here's what the Grapefruit League East uh, would look like from a national standpoint. The Nationals, the defending World Series champions, the Astros, the Mets, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Miami Marlins and we're wondering Jake what's a tougher division is it the 2020 American League West or is it the 2020 Grapefruit League East with the defending champions although a little bit weakened and some other teams that have been either in the playoffs or competing for the postseason the last couple of years first off do you think that anyone else called it the Grapefruit League East before we did I hadn't seen it anywhere, so I think we I think should you get may have credit. We might get credit if this happens. Just putting that out there. I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I'm good with that. Okay, good. Uh, I think it's interesting because the two divisions or, or theoretical divisions um, are really comparable in terms of overall quality, in my opinion. I think the Nationals were going to be a little bit down in 2020. Uh, they lost their best player, and yep. I do think championship hangovers are real to an extent because of the the pitching the toll on all the arms um i was kind of high on the mets coming into 2020 i thought they were going to be uh a little bit better but you know the a's um are really good they've won what 90 something games is it 97 games two years in a row so you could argue out of all these teams that aren't the astros um the a's would be the still be the best competition. I'm not sure. The Cardinals still obviously 
you know, they're in it every year. It seems like I'm not super high on them in 2020, but they're always around. Um, the Angels were going to be better. So um, really the only two teams you can count out are the, the Mariners and Marlins. And, um, you know, I think the Marlins are better than the Mariners, but neither team, you know, they kind of cancel each other out in this conversation. Yeah, I think that's fair. When I look at it, my, my initial thought is from an Astro standpoint, I would probably prefer to stay in the AL West just because, well, I mean, it depends on what you think of the of the Angels and the Rangers, because when I look at what's going on in the, the Grapefruit League East, uh, you know, the, the Nationals are obviously a, a major threat, although diminished from what they were last season. I don't think that you would have a, a, a tougher time over a longer sample size winning over the Mets without Cindergaard for the whole season and the Cardinals who may have overachieved last year. I, I think what this really boils down to, Jake, is what people think of the Angels and the Rangers and how good they are slash were going to be this season. Yeah, and it's also like are we when we consider all these teams, are we considering them in the context of an 162 game season or an 81 game season or, or 100 or what? Cause I think the Rangers, you could argue because of their pitching um, might be better equipped for an, a half a season uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, the angels still can't pitch, but they can really hit. So yeah, I think it depends on how you're looking at it. Obviously they're not going to play 162 this year, but uh, for the case of this thought exercise, um, you know, maybe we should assess, should set some parameters for for how we're looking at it. I I don't know. I, I haven't really come to a conclusion. I, I just think um, they're close, not even, but but close enough to even where it's a really interesting discussion. Well, I want us to go through the the Fangraphs projections. So this is obviously before the pandemic struck, and Fangraphs was projecting the 162 games. So of all these teams that we're talking about, the American League West and what would be the Grapefruit League East. I went through the numbers last night, and so the Astros had the highest projection, 95 wins. The Nationals were second with 88, and then you got a bunch of teams in these in these divisions that were pretty close. Fangrass had the A's at 87, the Mets at 85, Angels 83, and then you go down, and then uh, the Cardinals 81. Uh, the, the ones that kind of stood out to me, Jake, is there a reason why the A's would lose 10 wins from last season? Is that just because they would, the Fangrass was anticipating the American League in general being more competitive than it was in 2019? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that's exactly it. I mean, the Angels should be better. Um, I'm not sure they would be worse. Uh, and there's some other teams that kind of, you know, the White Sox of the world who have kind of flipped the switch from rebuild to trying to contend. Uh, so I think that's it. I mean, it's they also weren't projected to win 97 the last two years. I don't think it was probably around the same. And that's fair. Um, yeah, I think if if you were to rank these these, what is it? Ten teams. Um, yep. I would have the Astros one and the A's two. And then three, I don't know. I mean, it's probably. Well, it doesn't have to be Washington. Or are you down on Washington? I'm down on the Nationals just because they lost their best player um, who was worth how many wins last year? Like six or seven? Um, yeah, I guess they're still third, but like I'm not confident in that, that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think I think the Mets are better. Um, the Angels are, are interesting. Yeah, I, I the Cardinals I'm down on too. So I, I really think I might I might think the AL bust is better. 
You, okay, you think the see here's here's my my sort of gut feeling looking at this. Uh, now, part of it is the fact that the Astros lost to the Nationals, and so there's that natural effect of like, well, maybe they're just better. But they lost Anthony Rendon, as we've been talking about, so they should be compromised. You mentioned a championship hangover, which certainly uh, looms large. Uh, when I when I initially looked at it, I was like, you know what? I'd rather I, I'd pick my poison and stay in the AL West and kind of take my chances. I, I have been worried quietly. If, if we were going through a normal season, Jake, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I would have expressed probably a number of times my fear over the A's. And I don't know what you thought about what their season was going to be like, but I, I felt the last two years, like, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, I, I feel like nationally people don't talk about how good that team has been the last couple of years because they've been so solidly and consistently in second. But that's like a mid to high 90s win kind of team that that has been a good to maybe very good baseball team at times. And I felt like if they stayed healthy, especially their young pitchers, then I think they absolutely could have given the Astros a run for their money this season. Yeah, I agree. I think and when we talk about championship hangover, it's not as much the fact that the Nationals won, it's that they pit played into through October, and that same goes for the Astros. That takes a toll after a while. Now, this year, given that they've had this layoff now, it, it probably, who knows what it means, if anything, but um, that was kind of how I felt coming into the, the what would have been a regular season. The A's haven't had that because um, their wild card game um, and out last year. Uh, they, you know, in a shortened season scenario, the A's with their young arms would theoretically benefit because they wouldn't have to, similar to like the Astros with Lance McCullers, the A's with Jesus Lazardo can just kind of let them pitch if it's a short season. Um, yep. Yeah, I think the A's are really good. Um, and I, I yeah, I, th- I, I still think looking at this list in front of me right now of, of these teams, I you know, if if I were to bet on which team would be the, have the second best record, it would be the A's. You know what? Sometimes in doing this, when you talk things out, you have a realization, Jake. Like you, you think about it and you banter back and forth and you're like, you know what? I've come to a conclusion. I have come to the conclusion for the Astros, they would be better off playing in the Grapefruit League East. Wow. And you have, yeah, I, 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 my initial thought was, well, let me stay in this lousy division, but because of the A's, you have sold me on the, idea, uh, on the idea that a shorter season would be beneficial for the young arms that you mentioned. The, the Nationals probably gonna, aren't going to be as good. And I think that, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, when I look at the Nationals in terms of like their window, I felt like the Red Sox in 2018, a little bit like that, it was basically the Nationals were going to win the World Series last year or they weren't going to again, particularly because of the choice they ended up having to make between Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. And that's a team that's probably going to, you know, slide into a into sort of a, you know, mid to high 80s sort of slight rebuilding slash reloading phase. So I would rather go to that kind of division and take my chances with the Mets with no Cindergaard and the Cardinals, who I'm not exactly a full believer in. Tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times, they are still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories. Like the one about Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now. 
or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair, or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts. It's during times like these that The Athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go, go away. So go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. I think you're sleeping on the Mets still. I, I think, I mean, Jacob deGrom would be the best pitcher in this division in, in the Grapefruit League East. And Yeah, you're right. And they have a lot of arms. Um, it's just a matter of like, they, they need a lot to go right for it to work out. But like, I don't know. Like Syndergaard was really, it's a huge loss, obviously. But like, look at his numbers the last couple of years. He's not, he's one of those guys whose name is kind of like, uh, because that one season he had and, and his yes. and his talent kind of doesn't match a, a line with the actual performance. Um, but they have Marcus Stroman. They have Steven Matz. They have, they have some guys. Um, and if you're playing a short season, I, I you know, with their, they have some bats too. I, I, I think they could be sneaky good. Is Cespedes playing this year? Is he is he like off his off his horses and whatever the hell he's doing <laughs> on his farm? Like what? <laughs> I think that was I mean, still that, that, unclear <laughs> when the season broke or the spring training broke up. But he was yeah. in in camp and playing. So yeah, I don't know what you're going to get from him. But you know, Pete Alonso is really good. Um, yeah, he's up, very good. I'm looking up their roster now because what happens with these National League teams now that I cover the American League for. This will be my fifth season. I kind of lose sight of a little bit um, when asked off the top of my head of, of who they have. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pete Alonso is really good. And um, Robinson Cano. They need to. Robinson Cano against the Astros hope, yeah. would be scared of Robinson Cano. Remember how how much he would hit them as a, as a Mariner. Um, That's a very good point. Michael Conforto, J- Jeff McNeil, you know, Jake Marisnik. I mean, that's a big, big bat. Uh, just yeah, you got to worry that, you know, just Jake has the he's got the scouting report on the Astros. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he is. Uh, I mean, like between him and Brandon Nimmo as a platoon in the center, that's actually pretty good because you get the left, right. And Marisnik's obviously doesn't hit, but really good defender. Um, their arms. Seth Lugo is a guy the Astros have tried to trade for in the past. Uh, he's interesting. You know, Michael Waka and Rick Porcello kind of reclamation projects. You know, Familia, the Edwin Diaz, like they have some Batances as a bounce back, maybe. Like they have some some arms. They're they're kind of probably a high variance team where it could go wrong. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of higher on the Mets than 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 okay. mo- than most probably. Well, I was wondering uh, along these lines. I think the, the 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 big unknown with the AL West this season is and was going to be. Well, what do you have with the middle of the division? Like we we know the A's were going to be most likely in second, make a run for for first place. Um, Texas. Uh, I was surprised that they got rid of Nomar Mazzara. Maybe I'm clueless, but I just felt like that was a guy who was going to be there for the long term. I guess they weren't happy with some of his numbers. Okay, fine. So they make that trade. Um, They bring in Corey Kluber. That seemed like a a nice move by the Rangers, so he'll be at the top of the rotation. Uh, The Angels, I, I think, should be decent, especially as, as you mentioned, Jake, with the lineup. I never have any idea how to quantify having a, a, a manager. Like, 
when you bring in Joe Madden over what you had, I, I guess, I, I mean, is that supposed to lead to like two or three more wins? Uh, what am I supposed to make of that part of it? I think for like the manager can like do more harm than good in some cases. Like you could maybe argue that they're gaining wins by changing a manager. Although I don't think Brad Osmus is like a bad manager. I think he's like exactly. fine. Um, so I don't know. It's yeah, I don't. I've never been a huge Joe Madden fan, um, or I guess recently I haven't been. Uh, I thought that in the, you know, they Cubs won that World Series kind of in spite of him. But uh, well, yeah, he was a disaster <laughs> in Game Seven, a complete debacle. Yeah, absolutely. But like, you can't argue with the results in terms of like the culture building and that stuff. Like, I do think he has a knack for that, and that's probably the most important job of a manager. So yeah, I don't know how you quantify it um, in terms of like the difference in Brad Osmus and, and Joe Madden, but you can definitely quantify the addition of Anthony Rendon. Um, he's, you know, one of the best 10 players in baseball, 15 players in baseball. So um, that's huge, but they still, for me, like they still don't have pitching. Like, I don't even know, like Andrew Heaney would have been their opening day starter. Like he's like a, a yeah. three or a four probably on most staff, like contending staffs. So, you know, Julio Tehran's fine, but not if he's your number two. Um, you know, the Otani wild card, obviously, but he, he you know, they have to be careful with, was, with how much they pitch him. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, dude. Was there a sense for how how many innings or I shouldn't even say innings, how many starts Otani was going to make in 2020? I hadn't been following it super closely, but in in my head, I feel like they weren't going to start pitching him until May, if that sounds right. Um, that sounds reasonable. Obviously, now it's all out the window. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like Dylan Bundy. Like I don't know. We've seen that before. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like these. I feel like I'm looking at these guys. It's, it's like it's like all guys who like seven years ago. You'd be like you'd be like super intrigued right. by the Angels rotation. Yeah, <laughs> so, but not so much in 2020. I think they're going to be better just because their offense is going to be really good. But you know, yes. and they need obviously if Trout plays a full season you're you're getting like a 10 win season from him so um in a in a 162 games scenario but yeah I, I don't think they have enough enough pitching to really uh threaten for the division um in a real in a, in a regular 162 game season the rangers i don't think would have either but in a shortened season they're intriguing um it really all depends on Corey Kluber. Like the last time we saw him, he was not the same guy, but will he be the same guy now? Um, Cause behind him, they, you know, say if, if he's back to being Corey Kluber and you, you have Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, Jordan Lyles, who I think is like extremely underrated um, watching him pitch last year uh, for the Brewers. Um, like he was lights out in that. I think it was September 1st or 2nd start against the Astros and I thought the Astros would go after him in the offseason just because he's like a he fits like their their kind of formula with the the high forcing fastball breaking power breaking ball. Um, yep. You know they got Kyle Gibson from the Twins. They have like a deep rotation and that could play well in a short season. Um, offense still questions there, but you know new ballpark. Probably should help as well because they would have had again theoretically. Well, they would have had really good attendance. Maybe that maybe that helps you kind of on the edges a little bit. Obviously, that's not going to be the case now. Yeah, I mean Joey Gallo still hits a lot of home runs. Robinson Chirinos, good offensive player. Um, they got Todd Frazier. 
they picked up. They still lack on the offensive side, but you know, in a shortened season, um, you never know. They they could be dangerous. Yeah. So ultimately, I'll I'll kind of bottom line this. Looking at this and discussing this, Jake, from a national standpoint, I would pick the Grapefruit League East over the AL West. What's your conclusion in terms of who they would rather play? Yeah, who they who they would rather play? I I agree with you. I think I think given that their biggest competition for the division would be in the AL West in the A's that they should prefer the competition posed by the hypothetical Grapefruit League East. Okay, so I, th- I think we're on the same page. Uh, thinking about the we're agreeing the too much. Downs- yeah, we're agreeing to it. We'll, we'll disagree. I mean, it, it would be, be it would be helpful if, if there were games, but hopefully we'll get that, you know, at some point sooner rather than later, that whole thing. So al- along those lines, um, I, I saw something in the New York Post that Joel Sherman wrote, and this was basically proposals because we're assuming we're going to get a season. It's, it's going to be a little wacky. It's going to be something along the lines of the Arizona plan or the, I think more likely this Arizona, Florida sort of uh, sort of split. And so Joel wrote about uh, some bold experiments that baseball could try. So I want to kind of bat this back and forth and see if this makes sense. The first one, Jake was the universal DH. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I do not like seeing pitchers hitting. Uh, you rarely see in professional sports, people who just aren't like they're, they're, they're just not good at hitting and it feels like a waste of time. Yes. Some of the American league lineups can feel a little bit overly, loaded at times, but especially in a season like this where you're worried about health and ramping guys up if the season does get going at some point, I am good with the universal DH. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any um, reason to to risk the health of the pitchers if if you deem it a health, health risk already to have this huge stoppage and then start up again. Uh, and why not? You know, it's something that they're considering, they've considered in the past doing anyway. So, why not experiment with it this year? You would have to do one or the other if you're switching these divisions up. Um, you know, the, Ast- you would, the Astros yeah. in the Grapefruit League East scenario would be playing with all National League teams. So would you would have to make some kind of decision one way or the other if it's, if it's one league's rules or the other. And I think if you're going to adopt one for both leagues or all teams uh, in this uh, extreme scenario, then why not do the, the more offense, the uh, D- Universal DH one? Yeah, I agree. If you had to choose between one of the two options, which in that hypothetical, in this hypothetical, you would, then I think you definitely lean towards the DH. I think it makes it easier, even if you're a National League team who may not have necessarily planned on it. Amish baseball, what the hell does that mean? So his idea, Sherman's idea was no in-game video once the game starts. I think this is asinine. Uh, Like, just have, uh, you know, unlike 2017 and 2018, not only the Astros, but some of these other teams as well. Like, I think technology is good and technology is fine. I know uh, J.D. Martinez has talked a lot about how the in-game video has helped him a lot from a hitting standpoint. Like, uh, it just doesn't make sense that we have a society now, Jake, that is built on technology and how advanced it can be and during major league baseball games when the game starts nobody can use anything that that's that just seems uh counterintuitive to me yeah but if you can't trust your your players and your your teams not to cheat then um yeah i i part of me agrees with you and part of me disagrees with you i do i don't love the whole like relievers coming into the game let's all gather around the ipad in the dugout thing it always looks weird to me and maybe it's like a get off my lawn thing for me. I don't know. But like that always struck me as kind of like odd that they're, you know, there's a 
iPad just like right in the middle of the dugout and they're all gathered around watching the reliever coming in. Um, it's not like the reliever is getting a chance to watch the video of the hitters uh, before he comes in from the bullpen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think getting rid of all technology is probably uh, not going to happen since it's such a vital part of player development now. But, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to no in-game video once the game starts. Just go out there and play baseball. Enough of the, uh, like, paranoia and sign stealing and all this stuff. And I think you could argue that that it was better in 2019 when they MLB policed it better. Um, That's what it seems like to me. It seems like they just, for whatever reason, that the, the, the league office just trusted these teams once they installed instant replay, which was clearly a terrible idea. Yeah. But I think 2019, it was a little bit better with they, they put people in the video rooms to watch. And yep. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I don't I think it would help speed things up a little bit. And why not? Um, and you're, everything about this season, if there is one, is going to be so different and weird that, like, you should use it as a time to experiment. And if if that's something you're considering anyway, um, why not do it now? Okay, seven inning double headers. I have no reason to oppose this uh, whatsoever. If they want to be able to safely get in more games, uh, I I'm okay with this. I, I yes, it, it's going to skew with the numbers and the stats. But as as you mentioned, Jake, that's already going to be the case. I'm fine with seven inning double seven inning double headers. Yeah, I mean they're almost necessary, or they are necessary if your goal is to get in as many games as possible. And I think that is. The player's goal because they want to get paid as much as they can and the teams want to get as much uh, of the TV deal money as they can. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. Do you have any feeling for how seven in- inning double headers would affect the Astros specifically? Um, hmm. Not really. I mean, it, it goes... It- yeah, because it kind of goes into the, I would say it goes and it kind of brings you into the depth of your rotation. But then again, you can, I was going to say you can have a bunch of, I was going to say, you know, that doesn't have to be the case. I was going to say you'll see less Hector Rondon, but he's not on the team anymore. You, like the, the, those type of middle <laughs> yeah. relievers would be like gone. Um, Chris Davinsky maybe yes. is a better example as an existing Astro. Um, Joe Biagini, those types, you wouldn't see the, have to see those guys pitch in important innings pretty much ever in a seven inning game. Um, yeah. So yeah, it would just kind of, you could go shorter start with you go five innings with Verlander and then you go to the back end of the bullpen. Um, so yeah, I think it would be interesting and probably pretty quick games too. Yeah, I, I would be, I would be interested in, in watching that out of curiosity, the seven inning double headers, other bold experiments. Baseball can try with whatever kind of crazy shortened season will hopefully get automated strike zone. Again, something now I, I think baseball, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong. They have said that, te- that the technology isn't quite there. I, I would love to know more details about why the technology isn't there. I I I am mostly good with this, although I, I am someone who can appreciate when you have a great pitcher pitching a great game and he's kind of expanding the, the zone just a little bit, how he can get some of the calls on the outside of the strike zone. So I'm not a purist like bring in all the technology possible. But if you tell me automated strike zone and they have it ready and especially get some of these older umpires out of harm's way this season, I'm good with it. Yeah, I I haven't thought about it a ton to like come up with my ultimate opinion, but I think I'm anti robo ump. Um, Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, 
But for this season, I think it would make sense. I mean, health-wise, I mean, that's what's what most important if they do play is, is keeping yes. people safe and, you know, putting an umpire right next to a catcher, right next to a hitter does not seem to be a safe social distance. Um, so if you could eliminate one of those people and, and have a, a robot instead, um, it sounds a little bit safer. Do you like the idea of a pitch clock? I don't think it makes much of a difference, honestly. I don't like the one that they have now. Like, does anyone even notice it? Like, and like, but not not unless you're at the game. I don't even notice it there. Like, I don't know. I think I think the pitch clocks are. We talk about them a lot, but like, I don't I don't know how much impact they actually have. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think as far as like length length of games, I think relievers and some other ass some other f- factors kind of lead to that more than just how slow the pitchers are. No mound visits. So this would be, I guess, the manager and the catcher. I, I'm okay with this, but I, I just worry about the signs. I'm not talking about illegal sign stealing here. I'm just talking about like natural sign stealing, which uh, which might go on. So I, I, I can, I mean, I, I don't know why you couldn't do some kind of like, I don't know, could you do a modified mound visit? Eh, probably not really, because then everyone's going to hear what's going on, especially with no fans. Right. Th- this one, I have to admit, I, I'm not sure what I think of this one. I don't think mound visits add that much time to the game. I mean, now that they're limited to six and um, maybe there would be less need for them if there's no technology, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think mound visits are fine. I'm, I'm more concerned with like the guys who take 30 seconds between pitches and step out of the batter's box and, yeah. you know, like the Marwin Gonzalez's of the world who take an hour between every pitch. Um, like that's what t- makes the game go so long. Um Mound visits. So you think there should be, you think there should be more policing of the of the hitter versus the pitcher. Well, I, I'm fine with both, but like, you know, I think a lot. There's a, I think it's gotten a little bit better the last year or two, but like, I don't know that. I think to me, like we, um, there's a there's so many different factors of of pace of play. It's not just like the pitcher and the pitch clock and the mound visits. Like I, I think eliminating mound visits would save very. Uh, like it would save some time. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it would, you would notice a huge difference. Um, and you might have more pass balls and wild pitches and that would add time. So I, I, I'm, I would, I would keep mountain visits. All right. A couple more here. The bold experiments baseball should try before everything happened with the, the coronavirus. The, there were some reports in, in February about baseball's idea to expand the playoffs, specifically the idea of having, all right, Seven teams per league make the playoffs. You get the the bye to the top seed. You'd have the two other division winners plus the top wild card choose who their opponents were going to be among the next three finishers. Best of three exclusively at the home sites of the division winners and the top wild card. I guess less of a factor now that the, now that the fans would be theoretically out of the mix in something like that. Uh, first of all, I was fine with this. I was fine with this if we were going through a normal season. I was actually down with this idea, so I have no reason to be against it in whatever kind of season that we can have in 2020. Yeah, I think, again, like, why not experiment with this season? Um, I, I think you would have to have some kind of expanded playoffs because the season would be so short. Um, and if you're going to do that, why not try the idea you were considering for a 162 scenario? So... Um, I'm in agreement with you. I don't, I wasn't, I hadn't really formed an opinion on whether I wanted to see it 
in a uh, regular scenario. I, I think the playoffs are fine the way they are in a regular scenario. Um, and there wasn't really much need to change that. But in this season, if it happens, um, yeah, there should be a, a, an expanded playoff um, with more, you know, more teams um, getting a chance. Final one. This is one where I need a little bit of a convincing. And it, it, it comes from someone who's a really bright baseball guy, Tom Verducci. And he's suggested this, I think, for a, a couple of years. The idea of the bonus batter. And the theory behind it is if you look at other sports, the NBA, the NFL, in the biggest of moments, you're usually going to have the most important players on the team touching the ball. They'll call plays for them. They'll be on defense, like that sort of thing. In baseball, that's not necessarily the case because you don't know who the ball is going to be hit. So you don't know whose turn it's going to be uh, in the lineup. And so for Ducci's idea is let's have one time per game a bonus batter where the manager can elect to have a player of his choice up at the plate in a specific big situation. It feels, Jake, a little bit too gimmicky for me still. Yeah, I hate it. I think it's it's not baseball. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I like the thinking to have the best players determine the games, but this is not how base, baseball is different. You know, that's part of the reason we love it is it's not basketball. It's not football. It's its, its own game. It's it's unique. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like the bonus batter idea. Yeah, it just it just seems it, it, yeah, it's just weird because like I, I don't know. There's there, there's something about it. Whenever something is a gimmick, a gimmick for me, it, that means it's sort of synonymous with, with the word like artificial. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't seem like it, it's in the natural flow of how things operate. And I don't know. It, it just it's not comparable to the NFL or the NBA. Those are more kind of free flowing. There you don't have a batting lineup like you have in baseball. And that's just that that's that's part of the deal that these guys only have certain select opportunities and you can't have them up there at the exact right moment. You have to sometimes rely on other guys to come through. Yeah, it's just they're different sports, they're different games and I don't think we should be like striving to make them all the same because what's the point in that? Um so yeah, I I you know, again, I appreciate the thinking. Um it would be cool to have the best closer in the game facing Mike Trout in the biggest leverage moment of the game, but um that's just, you know, I, I think we're I think the game is 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 pretty good the way it is. Let me uh, promote a couple things that we have going on uh, at The Athletics. So we've mentioned this. Jake has as a series about the Astros and the drafts over the course of you know the last seven to eight years, 2012 through 2015. Also an article this weekend, Ken Rosenthal caught up with uh, Dusty Baker. Jake, when I read this article, I, I actually it made me actually feel better about my overall situation uh, just because I think Dusty is the kind of like, older worldly guy who was able to put everything going on right now into its proper perspective. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like a soothsayer. Um, yeah, he's, he's got, he's lived, uh, through a lot of things in his life, a pretty full 70 years of experiences and, uh, has a good perspective on things. So it was, I would definitely encourage everyone to read Ken's story, um, catching up with Dusty over the weekend and, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, I agree with you. I left, I left the article feeling a little bit better about um, myself and where we are. Obviously where we are is not, is not good, but you know, it, we're, we're trying to stay positive the best we can. 
I have to admit, I had forgotten, Jake, that Dusty, I guess, quote unquote, created the fi- the high five. <laughs> Did you remember that? Yeah, I feel like it's come up like 40 times already since he um, became the Astros <laughs> manager. Um, yeah, there's wasn't there like a, a short 30 for 30 about that even? I don't, I'd have to look that up. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like. It's such a weird thing to create. Yeah, like, like I don't know if you, you know can I mean? ever like, really be sure that you created the high five, right? Like, not to doubt Dusty like, Baker, but like, how how do you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like like how do we know like in Revolutionary War times that like these guys weren't high fiving each other in some sort of way? It seems like a it seems like a natural human thing to do. Although I guess someone does have to kind of start it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much we're gonna be high fiving. Uh, in the foreseeable future, though. Um, yes. That's so, yeah. I mean, could the high five have, you know, Dusty Baker would have seen the entire uh, lifespan of the high five. <laughs> and this, I think we'll be high fiving eventually, but um, I agree. But, eventually. Yeah. I don't know how you can be sure that you invented it, but it's a, it's a cool story. Um, you can be sure that we invented the Grapefruit League East, but that's that's pretty much all you can be sure about. That's true. And obviously, we'll be tracking all of uh, baseball's ideas uh, in the next couple of months to uh, hopefully start uh, a season here in 2020. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. Make sure you check out The Athletic. If you uh, subscribe now, uh, you're able to get three months free. All the great content uh, on The Athletic, particularly with Jake's coverage of the Astros and all the great Major League Baseball coverage nationally as well. Check it out, theathletic.com. He's Jake. I'm Mike. This is the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic.